There they were. Just standing at the tree. And it was, it was beautiful like every other tree. Yet there was something that drew them to this particular tree. Likely it was the fact that it was forbidden that aroused a degree of curiosity within Adam and Eve. And in that moment when they're there standing in front of the tree, the serpent came and asked them the question that he asks you and I. Did God really say? And these empty words, just just empty words, these empty words, they tempted Adam and Eve the same way that they're going to tempt you and that they're going to tempt me. Now, God had, had clearly promised Adam and Eve, He had clearly promised them, if you eat of this tree, you're going to die. In, in, it's, in Hebrew, it's a death you will die. It's incredibly emphatic. It's, it's as clear as it can possibly be. And when it, it could not have been more clear, Satan comes along and you, you begin to doubt the clear commandments of God and the clear promises of God. With Adam and Eve, he had promised them a death you will die. Craig preached on it last week. You and I. What does God promise us? He says everyone that is sexually immoral or impure. Ephesians 5, if you want to turn there. We'll, we'll pick up more verses later on. God promises us, everyone that is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetousness, that is idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Yet these empty words, they come from the lips of the serpent, they come from the world, they come, they come from within. And they come and they promise us everything that you want to hear. And when that happens... You have to ask yourself, am I going to eat the fruit? Am I going to eat the fruit? So with that in mind, let's turn to Ephesians 5. We're going to be reading uh, verses 6 through 10. Ephesians 5, verses 6 through 10. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things that the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we're, we're surrounded with empty words. We're inundated with empty words. And I, I pray that over these next 20, 30 minutes, God, that you would show us your beauty and your delight. That we would cast them away, that we wouldn't be tempted, but that we would feast upon you, God. That we wouldn't be tempted to eat the fruit, but that we would want more of you. That we would drink of you and drink of your goodness. God, would you show us yourself over these next 20 to 30 minutes, God, that we can see you and behold you in your beauty. Amen. So a br- brief outline of where we're going. 
Main idea, you've probably already gathered it. Main idea, don't eat the fruit. You're going to be tempted with empty words. Don't eat the fruit. That's the main idea. As you go through the verses 6 through 10, we kind of broke it up in two parts. The first part is going to be the deception of empty words, verses 6 through 8. So we're going to be talking about the wrath of God with under the deception of empty words, and also your nature, how that plays into that as well. So that's point number one, deception of of empty words. Number two is walking as children of the light. These are the two great imperatives in this passage. That's your your two points of the sermon. Walking as children of the Lord, and how do you do that? Well, you, you discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So you walk in the light by discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Number one, the deception, deception of empty words. Let's just go back to the text, verses, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things are the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. This, this, now, so this idea of empty words, what, what, is it, what exactly does Paul mean? When you, when you have empty words, you have people coming along, or the world coming along, or yourself coming along, and promising much more than you could, you could ever deliver. That's what Satan is doing. So going back to verse, verses 3 to 5 that Craig preached on last week, that's the context. That's what Paul's referring back up to. So you, in those verses you see the sexual immorality, the impurity, the covetousness. What do they, they all come along and what do they promise you? Pleasure. That's what they promise you. In one form or another, they're going to come along and they're going to promise you pleasure. So you want real pleasure? What is the world going to tell you? Where do you find it? The main narrative is found in sex. The more, the better. The more women, that's great. The more women, women, that's fine too. It doesn't matter. As long as you can exercise your freedom to be yourself, that's where you're going to find pure pleasure, right? So, I mean, after all, God gave us stomachs, and we have a a hunger, that desire, we fulfill it, we eat. Same way, we have these other desires that arouse up. Fulfill them too, why not? Feast upon that as well. That's what the world tells you. That's what the world tells you. And then, here's the, here's the catch. You can do all of this with no consequences. That's, that's the beauty of it all. You can have all this pleasure and there are no consequences whatsoever. And there's nothing to fear, right? So the narrative goes. Right? Nothing to fear? Paul paints a different picture. Uh, not surprisingly. Uh, the one thing is to fear is the wrath of God coming. There you see in, in verse 6. So I'll, I'll read, read verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, culture won't tell you this, you can do it without no consequences whatsoever. Paul tells us, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And the wrath of God, it's like this simmering pot that's just getting hotter and hotter, and hotter. And it hasn't quite yet spilled over. And so because of this, you're tempted to think that it never will come. And Paul refers to this in Romans, 
Romans chapter 2, and he says, Do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And this is why it's so tempting for people to... to, And this is why it's so easy to buy into these empty words that Paul's warning us about in in verse 6. It's because you can have immediate pleasure, which is what we want, especially in this culture. We want it now. So you can have immediate pleasure now and not have to worry about the consequences whatsoever. But friends, do not... Do not be fooled. For the simmering pot of just of judgment and of justice is growing hotter and hotter. And one day it will be poured out on people who practice such things. And so there, there is a little bit of judgment now, but you may not see it. But the life of sin, it's so tempting. It's so easy to be seated with these empty words. And it's so tempting. But friends, the life of sin is certainly nothing to be envious of. As Christians, sometimes we go, I wish I could do that. No, you don't. You don't. It's nothing to be envious of. Revelation 19. We know that there's a day when Christ will come and He will return. And quote, and strike down the nations and He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. So you see the wrath of God. Well, this fruit is not so tempting in the light of of the wrath of God that will come because of it. So that's number one, why you don't want to be deceived with empty words. Because of the wrath of God. Paul goes on as well. We see it. You you have a changed nature. If you are in Christ, you have a changed nature as well. So let's read verses 7 and 8. Therefore, Do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now Paul is imploring them to not be deceived with the empty words, but even more than that, to not be partners with those who who practice such things. So this idea of being partners, you can be partners with those in the darkness, or in uh, chapter 3, verse 6, when Paul is in the context, he's talking about the mystery he said, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body, partakers or partners, as it's also translated, of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So friends, you can be partners of the promise of Jesus Christ with the body of Christ. Or you can be partners with those walking in darkness, partaking in sexual immorality, impurity, and idolatry. But you don't have to. And why? Why is it? Why do you not have to partner with them, even though you you often would? Because you have a transformed nature. And, and see how? Look at the text. See how stark it is. Paul says, "You you were darkness, but now you are light." He didn't say you were in the darkness, or you had the darkness, or you were influenced by the darkness. No, the sin was so wretched in your life that you were darkness. You were the embodiment of darkness. In such, in, in, in the same way, friends, now you are light. You're not merely in the light. You don't merely have the light, friends. You are light in Christ. 
So take time. Over this, over this next week, take time to consider these empty words that you are believing. And, and it's not as apparent as it may seem. And in the garden, it's not as though Satan came up to Adam and Eve and said, Hello, I'm Satan. I'm going to ruin your life. Would you like an apple? No, it's, it's, it comes out to you in this tempting way and shows you something that's beautiful and pleasing. And you, you, you know, you kind of go down the road. You go down the road. And so over this next week, just realize these empty words that are in your life. You, you see them all around you in, in the advertising, in the social media, in the literature that is now published. In this hyper-sexualized cultural narrative that we're just being fed with. Where you, you're not going to be happy, you're not going to be fulfilled, and you're not going to be content unless you drive this or wear that, or unless your kids act a certain way, or they themselves wear these certain things. And you, you can't escape it whatsoever. You can't. So friends, just identify. That's the first step. Just identify these empty words and realize that they are the same empty words that Satan had for Adam and Eve in the garden. Did God really say? He's calling you to doubt the goodness and the love of God. Did God really say? And when you see it, when you don't eat the fruit, Man, idea. Again, don't eat the fruit. When you hear these empty words, don't eat the fruit. So we've we've seen this deception of the empty words and and how we we see it in light of the wrath of God. But then we also see that we are transformed. We were darkness, but now you are light. And now Paul, that's a little bit of what not to do. Now Paul's going to turn a little bit and he's going to say what we ought to do, which is to walk as children. Of the light. I'm going to pick it up right at the end of verse 8 and finish out through verse 10. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing of the Lord. Pleasing to the Lord. So walking in the light, verse 9, is basically, what is it? Verse 10 is, how do you do it? So you, you'll also, the first thing I want you to notice, though, is... Paul describes the Christian life as walking throughout throughout Ephesians. And it's it's not it's just meandering in a circle. You're either going one direction or you're going the other. Either you're going towards the light or you're going towards the darkness. It's not this oh, a little bit here that you're meandering in a circle. No, friends, you're going one way or the other. Your life is walking. You're not being stagnant in your faith. Either you're going towards Christ or you're not. And you, you see this in You formerly were in uh, chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You fast forward to chapter 4. To the Christian, he says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have been called. And then Adam preached on several weeks ago. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love. As Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us. And now, Paul's continuing this theme of the Christian life as being kind of this metaphor of walking. And he's saying, walk as children of the light. 
So in verse 9 it says, For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. So just picture in your mind everything that is good and right and true and contrast that to what Paul was telling, warning them about, about the sensual immorality, the impurity, the idolatry. And just picture that and see which one do you want? Which one do you want to walk in? Because you're like as we've been saying, you're either going to be walking in one or you're going to be walking in the other. So in your life, do you do you sin more than you want to? Or perhaps do you wish that you could get away with more? So friends, I just want to encourage you and implore you to walk the path that is lit with the gospel. Walk the path that is lit and illuminated with everything that is good and right and true. It goes on in verse 10. How do you do it? In this, in the context of, of everything that is pleasing to the Lord, we are only satisfied when we are satisfied in Christ. When we discern what is pleasing to the Lord, everything that is good and right and true. So what is pleasing to the Lord is when we find our delight in Him. That's what is pleasing to the Lord. So when we are satisfied in Christ, we're able to hear those empty words for what they are. They're empty words. So you're you're not so tempted when you're satisfied with Christ. You see this fruit and you go, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to be one in the flesh with all these people? Why would I want to debase myself and ruin their life? Why would I want to do that? No, I'm satisfied in Christ. This is foolish. I don't want that. Perhaps you're thinking to yourself, um, well, no, it is satisfying. The sin is satisfying. And uh, uh, I do enjoy it. And quite frankly, it, it's quite a bit of fun, actually. Perhaps you are thinking that to yourself. And I, I will admit, sin is sweet. That's why everybody does it. Sin is sweet. But it's only sweet for a season. Sweet for a season. And it has the scent of pleasure. But there's no substance whatsoever. And it will lead you on the path of destruction. Time and time again. It lures you in with this scent. And it will give you a moment of pleasure. And it just ruins your life. Read the end of Proverbs 9. It will be sweet for a season, but it will ruin your life. So these, these empty words, they speak so powerfully in our lives because... There, we know that there's a longing to be fulfilled. There is a longing to be fulfilled. And that's why advertising works so well. Because they, they, they know, they don't give you the answer, but they, they, they work upon this notion, and you know that you're not fully satisfied apart from Christ. So they, they work on that. You go, yeah, I'm not satisfied. I do need this. Their answer is foolishness. It's not Christ. But that's why it works so well. And you think you have the freedom to exercise and to do all these things that will give you, to give you pleasure, but in the end, you end up being a slave. So you think you're acting in freedom, you end up being a slave to sin, and you can't help yourself. Even though you see your life crumbling around you, you can't help yourself. Because you're not finding satisfaction in Christ. You're trying to find satisfaction in something else. 
friends, we will not be content until we are in the Lord. Or to put it another way, as Paul did, until we are discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Augustine, uh, in the opening movements of his autobiography, The Confessions, he explains the human heart, quite poignantly, just one sentence. It's beautiful. Page one. It's a great way to start out a book. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. We are created for God. And so we are going to follow these empty words, whatever the cultural narrative might be. We're going to follow these empty words until we find rest and fulfillment in Christ. So friends, the Christian life is not a joyous, mundane life of shuffling your feet and trying to fulfill the Ten Commandments. It's not as a life where we set aside happiness and we set aside joy just to pick up the cross and suffer and suffer until knowing we're doing the right thing. This, this is the one thing that is the same in the sinners and the redeemed, those walking in darkness and those walking in light, those who are dead in their trespasses and sins and those who are made alive together with Christ. There's one thing that's still the same. Both seek and desire Things that will bring you joy and pleasure. You will seek and choose that what makes you happy every time. Admit it. Even as a Christian, you're a hedonist. You're going to do what makes you happy. And this is the key to not eating the fruit, not buying into these empty words. It's not being deceived by them, but it's to put your affections upon Christ. That. Friends, because you're going to do what makes you happy. You're going to do what makes you joyous. Find your joy in Christ. And you're going to hear these empty words and you're going to know what's folly and you're going to know what's foolishness. So this, this week, just realize the cultural narrative that we're swimming in. This hyper-sexualized cultural narrative. The world around you just constantly whispering did God really say? Did God really say? Holding this fruit of whatever it might be out in front of you, tempting you to take it, doubting God, but fulfilling and finding joy in something else. But we don't have to eat the fruit, friends. We don't have to. Because one, as we talked about, we see it in the light of the wrath of God. It's not quite tempting then, knowing that I'm going to take part of this fruit and I'm going to drink it with a big cup of the wrath of God to come. That's, that's, not, that's not a good way to wash it down. Number two, you haven't changed nature. You were darkness. You couldn't help yourself. You were walking in the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air. You were, that's your nature. But now you have a new nature in Christ. You are light. So you don't have to follow these empty words. And then finally, as walk as children of the light. You are light. What do you do? You walk as children of the light. Realizing that you're going to do what your affections draw you to every time. So take inventory of your heart this week. 
and realize it is my joy in Christ. Can I be fully satisfied in Christ to hear these foolish, empty words for what they are? Friends, be satisfied in Christ. And don't eat the fruit. Don't eat the fruit. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for your word. That we can sit under it, that we can drink it, that we can find ourselves in it, Father. That we, there's so many other things that we follow and so many other paths that we pursue, but we find nothing but brokenness. But in your word, we find light and we find you. God, would you, would you be with us this week that we, we wouldn't be tempted to buy into these these sinful things that bring nothing to us, that bring us no joy, that we wouldn't buy into bitterness, that we wouldn't buy into anger just to be momentarily happy. God, would you keep us pure? Would you change our hearts in such a way that we find our affections and our joy in nothing but you and you alone? Amen.